Hey everybody, my name is John Reinheimer and I'm the Vice President of Mobilization and Communication at World Gospel Mission. Welcome to GMHC 2020. A little different during this uh, Zoom event and COVID craziness, but let me go ahead and pray for us and we'll just dive right in. Jesus, we thank you so much for this time together. We pray you would help us learn um, how to just work together with you in this uh, multi-generational uh, leadership paradigm that we're in. Uh, help us, God, to just live on mission with you as we explore um, this newest generation, Generation Z, and how we can best just serve you together to grow uh, the kingdom of God and see the mission of God move forward. We love you. We praise you. Commit this time to you. Amen. Thomas Jefferson uh, sent Lewis and Clark on an expedition. He wanted them to explore uh, the Missouri River with hopes of finding the Northwest Passage to the Pacific Ocean. Uh, his idea was that they would find direct access um, that would lead them uh, right to the Rockies and they would just catch the river and go straight down to the Pacific Ocean, therefore opening up the trade routes and controlling all the resources for the continent. It was going to be uh, equivalent to like discovering the internet today. So they set out across the country with their canoes and their climbing equipment, and they got it. I got it was this huge expedition. They got all the way to the Rockies. They they got up to the top of the hill, and when they got to the top of the mountain, they expected to see the Pacific Ocean, but instead, stretching out for for miles and miles and miles beyond what their eyes could see, <laughs> they saw peak after peak after peak of mountains. There was no Northwest Passage, no na navigational river, they, no water route. They could just kind of slip and slide their way down the other side. Now this story serves as a clear metaphor for our picture of leadership and I think of missions today, where we stand at in this present moment of history. In every field of study and vocation, leaders are, are rapidly coming to the awareness that the world in front of us is, is radically different than everything behind us. I like how uh, Todd Bolster says, leadership in the past meant coming up with the solutions. Today, it is learning how to ask new questions that we have been too scared, too busy, or too proud to ask. Now we're all unified in the Great Commission and whether you're uh, a doctor or a nurse or exploring medical missions or just missions in general, we all believe in the Great Commission and we, we, we love Matthew 28 and Acts 1 in this idea of, of movement and explosion, going to the ends of the earth, near, far and hard or however you want to say that. But the research shows that 51% of churchgoers don't even know the Great Commission anymore. And if you break that down even further, uh, if you were to ask people and press them really hard, what does the Great Commission even mean? The number shrinks. And then when you get down generationally and ask someone who is a teenager or a college student currently, that number plummets to even below the 10% mark there. We have got a major task of not only the Great Commission, but also to bring the next generation along with, with us. But sometimes it's easy just to criticize each generation and pin each other against it, ourselves and, and say not very helpful things to about the other and okay boomer and millennial snowflake and the Gen Xers are the ones that are just forgotten. <laughs> They're the, the, the ones nobody wanted or whatever you may say. But what if instead God wants generational leadership to take place where each generation brings its strengths and, and, and all of its experience and we focus on the things in common for a maximum kingdom impact. So what I wanna do is spend a minute just to give us a, a quick snapshot uh, and consider each perspective of, of, of these of different generations, just so in case you aren't familiar with this, I'll go try to go rapidly through this. So first off, we have, uh, we have the builders. And these folks, they endured, uh, there's the years there, but Let's give a quick summary. These folks endured the Great Depression, World War II, 
um, as well. In general, they, they grew up as being very frugal and uh, they know how to save money and resources. They tend to value holding on to what is right and good. And so they, uh, they seek to be stable because of how they grew up. Then we have our boomers. And our boomers, these are people representing the population, and it was the boom after World War II. As the largest generation at that point in history, they wanted to live the American dream. They wanted to write a better life than what their parents gave them. They uh, adopted spend now, worry later. They experienced increased divorce rates, though, in second marriages, uh, but they had extremely, but they were extremely loyal to their children. They were very uh, optimistic. They were focused on personal growth. They uh, had, they wanted to be team oriented. They wanted to make a difference in the world. They had a heavy focus on work uh, as an anchor for their lives. They experienced the first man on the moon, the Vietnam War, the Cold War, breaking through uh, civil rights movements, um, uh, civil rights uh, movements, as well as women's rights. And they are also experienced the birth of the television and the telephone. Then Gen Xers came along and this was a smaller population. They, this was a time when people started both mom and dad started working and so there was a lot of dual income families and we saw even higher rates of divorce. That became uh, the Generation X saw the real first uh, initial single parenting movement. They were the first generation of latchkey kids. They were highly educated. They uh, had high job expectations for them, themselves. They had very large entrepreneurial spirits. Um, they really didn't have a, a loyalty for organizations. They were very independent and fun. They were informal. The probably phrases they like to say is keep it real. Um, they tend to be skeptical because of what they'd seen before them. Uh, they were very cynical. They, uh, they lived through times, they were cynical, probably a lot of because of, they experienced Watergate, Roe versus Wade, the fall of Ber the Berlin Wall, the Gulf War. Technology for them, they saw MTV, the internet, um, personal computers and laptops, email, text messaging. Um, they know life can be hard, but they, their motto would be, they wanna keep it real. Then came the millennials. And millennials grew up at a time of, of helicopter parenting, participation trophies, uh, school shootings, AIDS, 9-11. Their parents kept them very busy and scheduled. They programmed their lives. Much of their life had become just schedules. <laughs> they were busy, busy, busy. Many grew up though in divorced uh, families uh, with unstable family situations and lots of just different family paradigms and dynamics were, were born. Um, this generation had uh, began to seek out because of all the different family dynamics, they began to seek out uh, a lot of counseling and help them to process all the emotional stress and grief that they were under. This also began the rise uh, of the beginning of mental health issues beginning to rise. Um, millennials are online consumers. They love diversity. They have, uh, they're extremely passionate about relationships and community. Uh, and they often are able to connect in a variety of ways because they're very tech savvy. Uh, they adopt the phrase YOLO, you only live once, if you didn't know what that meant. This is a very educated generation. They are extremely uh, techno savvy. Because that, that savviness of the technology, they can do their work highly efficiently and almost work uh, from anywhere. Um, they, uh, as I mentioned, are deeply passionate about relationships and uh, they can connect through their screens, even though it may not seem like they're paying attention, they are multitasking and they love to build online communities. Then came Generation Z. And I know these are super broad strokes, just giving you a little bit of an idea, some generalities and this chart can fill in a lot of the blanks here uh, for us as well. Generation Z is uh, our current population. And this is uh, Dr. Tim Elmore, uh, his book, Gen Z Unfiltered said that this is, he's called them the most anxious generation to date. 
This is the largest generation at nearly 70 million children. They've grown up with social gaming, tablets, apps, Google everything, 3D printing, self-driving cars. Their parents have taught them how to take selfies <laughs> and make them stand still until they get the perfect picture, right, to post. That's how these kids have grown up. They seek out advice though, but not in maybe the traditional places. They are looking to YouTube, Google, um, they ask Siri and Alexa, Alexa for uh, answers to questions about life and everything else in between. They're growing up in a world where they're exposed to many adult realities uh, much earlier compared to other past generations. In fact, in 2012 to 2016, Dr. Jean Twiggy, author of iGen, she, she notes that we saw an increase of depression, loneliness, self-harm, and uh, a, a rise of other mental health issues. She said this spike, one of the major contributing uh, spikes, uh, factor contributing to this spike, according to Pew Research, was that in 2013, 56% Amer of Americans now owned a smartphone. Simultaneously, social media uh, growth began to happen. In 2008, only about 50% of teenagers were on social media every day. By 2016, that percentage rose to 85%. Today, research from the Common Sense Media Group reports that Gen Z teens are spending eight to nine, eight to nine hours a day of their leisure time on a screen. They, because of this, one of the terms that have developed for them is no longer YOLO, it's FOMO, fear of missing out. They have seen their friends doing things without them on social media or uh, away with their families, and they then develop feelings of inadequacy, feelings of being left out. This generation is growing up very differently, with a very different perspective on, uh, on their identity, their worldview, their motivation for life, their views on faith, church, and missions. So there's a lot there, I know. <laughs> Just a quick overview, but I wanna focus in a little bit more on the differences between millennials and Gen Z. You may just think, well, aren't they just pretty much the same? And they're not. They're similar, but they're different. So let me just highlight a couple things here. Um, millennials make up now half the workforce across all industries in North America, if you didn't know that. So if your organization is not having influx of millennials, um, your industry may be on the way out. They view work though. Um, how did each group view work? Millennials, uh, they work to serve and they, uh, so when you're, if you're trying to attract a millennial, then you could, uh, you could promote the idea that you're, you're really changing the world. They have to be part of something really, really large. But for Gen Z, work is seen more uh, as a hobby. How can I get a job doing something that I love? So if you're trying to attract a Gen Z person, you need to make, the ho you need to make the, their hobby look like something they can do for work, if that makes sense. Um, millennials look at themselves, they believe they were, they were told they were awesome, they were amazing. Uh, that's what they were just told growing up about themselves. Gen Z though, they believe about themselves, they believe that they're, that they're fluid. Their views are fluid, their sexuality is fluid. As teenagers, they've, uh, many of them now have five or more different identities on social media. Sometimes they can't keep track as, as some students have told me on which identity they're, they're keeping up with when they're posting. They can't remember who they said they are. Their parents are often unaware, they said, that uh, they're using so many accounts on Instagram or other social media platforms. For Gen Z, we need to help them find their sense of identity, obviously rooted in Jesus. Uh, they also are different in the way they consume things. Gen, uh, or millennials rather, they, um, they consume products based on their experience. They wanna go to Starbucks. Uh, they don't wanna just have a coffee. Um, Gen Z though, they, they get bored very rapidly. They get frustrated. So we need to come alongside them and 
they, they, if something, if they're trying to buy something, it takes too long, they're going to quit. So it needs to happen very rapidly. Um, so the, I know there's a lot more differences. Those are just some broad ones there. Um, Gen Z, a couple other quick things is they really are looking to uh, embrace their individuality. They desperately want clarity um, in, in the workplace for sure. They want feedback. They've grown up in a, in a time of, of gaming. And so they get a lot of instant feedback um, playing those games. And so if you're when you're talking to when you're working with and talking to and talking with a Gen Z person, it helps if you can give them some feedback and some encouragement um, on a regular on a regular basis. Now, hearing all this, you may say, wow, that was a lot of information, like drinking out of a fire hose. You may feel like this sometimes and generationally you just want to you just want to fight, you just want to kick each other. You just you don't know, what do I do with all this? Uh, you're tempted to get frustrated or discouraged. But I want to give us uh, a little bit of helpful encouragement here and feedback that we, we actually need each other. And this is a lot more going to be about how do we do this relationally than just look at all these stats and charts and pros and cons and broad strokes of, of Gen Z here. And so uh, I want to talk to you just a second about um, Yuliad Kipchong. Here he is. He's a marathon runner and he was the first ever uh, sub two hour marathoner. How did he do it? He did it because he didn't do it alone. Here's what he said. You can, you can not train alone and expect to run fast, but there's a formula. 100% of me is nothing compared to 1% of the whole team. He's saying that it's, he, he can train really hard, but there's no way he can do everything he possibly can all by himself. We know this scripturally. Paul talks about it this way. In one of these, in one of these verses, he uses the phrase about the body, right? If we were to say, which part of the body would you not want to have? Um, what would you pick? Or similarly, if the body was made up of all eyes or all kidneys, as I'm assuming a bunch of you are medical professionals, this, this is right into... Uh, your area of expertise. See, there's no one generation that has the, the market cornered on everything that the, the next generation is going to need to help reach the world for Christ. We need all the generations coming together, bringing all of their strengths and all their unique experiences. I love how Paul talks about this. He, he models this for us in 2 Timothy 2.2, or some have called this the 2.2.2 principle. And you see this generational pattern that Paul lays out here. You've heard me teach the things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. So the first generation is Paul. Second generation is Timothy. The third generation is reliable people. And the fourth generation is others. So this pattern of, of multi-generational leadership is, is something that I believe uh, uh, Jesus asked us to do and we see as, as a very biblical pattern. So I just have a few ideas that I want to just suggest to you on generally, generational leadership and moving the mission of God forward. Number one is have I see and you conversations. Uh, who is someone that has spoken to your life to help you see, to help you, who could help you see how God had gifted you and help clarify your calling. I'm sure you can think of one, five, maybe 10 people. I don't know. Uh, I think of many people. I was so fortunate to have people speak in my life. I remember the very first missionary when I was on a short-term mission trip who, who said to me, look out over there. And he pointed to this vast African plain. And it was all I could see was just like, endless sky and trees and he said right out past the, the end of those trees is a village of 44,000 people who have never heard the name Jesus before that shook me to my core and I had no idea how God was going to use that conversation of of, of of just casting that vision and then the missionary went on to say I see this in you John and he, he, he called out things in me that I didn't see in myself. Or, and it, it was so good. And as a true Catholic founder of Chick-fil-A said, how do you know if you need encouragement? You're breathing. 
See, we all need encouragement. We all need some people that speak into our life have an I see this in you. I see in you conversation. And now the thing is, as if you are the, the older person listening to this, I want to encourage you to take initiative. And if you're the younger generation, if you're a Gen Zer listening to this, take initiative. I believe that Jesus asked us to take initiative, to leaders go first. He went first. He first created. He first loved. Biblical leaders, they go first. They, they don't just sit back and hope someone's going to have a conversation with them. They first go and they just, they speak into someone's life, someone that they, they see God genuinely moving in. Paul takes initiative when Tim, Timothy's life and have a conversation with him. I think this best happens when, when maybe an Xer or a boomer or even a millennial goes and speaks into uh, a Gen Zer or a different generation and, and they just take that initiative and call out something good, the best they see and the potential they see in that person. Have an I see in you conversation to make generational impact and change. The second thing I would suggest is these two footsteps, they represent diatribo. It's a Greek word that comes from this, this phrase here. Jesus spent some time with them. In English, it just reads some time or spent time. But the, the, the word diatribo here literally means to rub off. It means that you spend so much time together, like two people walking, when they, when they walk together, they get in sync together. But you spend so much time together that you begin to look alike, act alike, talk alike. It's like making another, making a copy. It's, uh, it's what happens when friends can be together long enough and they can finish each other's sentences. Or it's what some people have said that if couples have been married for, for long periods of time, they say they even begin to start looking like each other, which I always thought was a little weird, but <laughs> that's what they say. Think about this, that even Jesus, God in the flesh, didn't try to change the world on his own. He diatriboed. Now, diatriboing, it is this, so it's just intentional. It's not just hanging out. It's more than just doing life. It's intentionally doing life together for the purpose of reproducing the life and mission of Jesus in someone else. Now, this kind of relationship opens the door to dual mentoring. I think we're in a unique day that mentoring is no longer from the top down, but it's, it's a side-by-side, -side, much like these, these footsteps remind us here of. It's a relational concept. It's, just, it's not for or uh, just you know, above or below, but it's with. And once you have this relational foundation, you can walk through hard conversations. You can have a conversation about uh, that you can encourage them. You can ask questions, you can sharpen each other. And you can ask, start asking yourself as the, as the older generation, I ask myself this, I'm starting to invest in some Gen Z folks right now, not just my kids, but some teenage and college students. And I keep asking, how, what could I offer this, this Gen Z person? How could I introduce them to a, a, my network, the, the sphere of influence that I have? How could I introduce them to a missionary if they don't know missionaries or they don't know missionary doctors or opportunities? Who could I put them in touch with? How could I hear what they're excited about, what they're passionate about and connect it to God's heart for the world? And then conversely, what can they teach you? <laughs> there's things about life. There's music, there's song, there's technology. There's, there's a fresh set of eyes here that maybe you haven't revisited in a long time. And you've been there and done that, but you don't know how to use your phone or your laptop or don't know what music is current or games and, or maybe just concepts that are even out there that you haven't thought of. There could be a mutual mentoring. And that's a beautiful image of what Diatribo can do. The third thing I would suggest to help us grow in generational leadership and move the mission of God forward is to extend trust. Now, if you've ever been rappelling or rock climbing or anything like that, you know this is the epitome of trust. I love how St. Ignatius says it. He says, the opposite of fear is not peace, it's trust. It's often said that trust has to be earned, that, um, you know, it takes eight years or seven years or five years, whatever, to really trust someone. But I think we need to embrace a totally different paradigm 
And I think it's trust needs to be trust needs to be given, not earned. It needs to be given as if I've I've known you my whole life. If you're my brother or sister in Christ, then that that unites us in a very unique way. And then what's earned is mistrust. Mistrust is earned. And so if you surround yourself with incredible people and you've helped recruit them and you've helped train them and you're, you're diatribuing them, then that's a great culture to develop that where you extend trust. We see this in Jesus. He sends out the, he sends out the 12. He extends trust to them. He says, he says, go. He gives them a safe place to experiment, to kind of have a laboratory. And what are, some of the, what are some of the best ways we can figure out that we can trust someone? It's you actually trust them. <laughs> you ask for their input. You ask for their idea. And let's be really honest. This is difficult, right? <laughs> I get it. It's hard because it might not get done exactly the same way as we thought. We have to give up control. But that's not a faith-based mindset. That's a, a scarcity mindset. It's a fear-based mindset. So extend some trust to the next generation. I think you'll be excited to see what happens. This one, hopefully you know who this guy is. If you don't know who this is, stop now what you're doing and go watch a Star Wars movie, okay? This is Yoda. And the point is, be a Yoda. Be Yoda, not Luke Skywalker. Sometimes as missionaries, executives, leaders, uh, just human beings, we want to be the hero. We want to be Luke Skywalker. Who doesn't want to be Luke Skywalker, right? Like he is he's awesome. He, he's the masterful Jedi. He, he has everything. And then Yoda is amazing too, but you know, it's not, he, he's older and he's kind of off to the side. He's not the main character in the story, but Yoda is, he's a guide. What would happen if you played more of a guide than Luke Skywalker role? Yoda is always asking questions. He's always giving Luke freedom to make his own choices. He lets him use the force and the power that, that's in him to, to make some good choices and some bad choices. And Luke learns some lessons the hard way, but he always stays in relationship with Yoda. Yoda delegates authority in a real way. As spiritual leaders, as spirit-led leaders, as missionary leaders, missionary doctors and executives and, and students and, and uh, wherever you're at on your journey in the missions and with Jesus, we need to be thinking about empowering people, what it really means to empower them. Leadership is not about using your, our position, my position, our power to lord over people, but it's about coming alongside to really serve them. I think Yoda in his own way does this. It's just a cool picture, but he makes, he brings out the best in Luke. He's there with him in his highs and his lows. So we, when we, now we get authority when we are playing Yoda, this Yoda role, this guide, the spiritual guide and mentor. We don't just give a task though. We have to really give authority and responsibility. We have to really let people go for it. And so when we give a task, we're training someone to, to and we say, here's a task, I want you to do it, go. But when we're given responsibility, we're training them to think like a leader. And we say, this is what I want. You do it however you want. And every time you delegate authority, you're communicating trust. So these go hand in hand in glove, hand in hand from the last one, extending trust. So if you're really going to empower someone, you have to give them the authority to create something. And it's, you're going to have to be okay with that. It's going to be out of your control a little bit and it might fail. But if you don't empower people, you're going to become the limiting factor. Now, you do have to be one little caution here is authority can do some unusual things in, in people. The first time you maybe promote someone or give them a project or, or give them something to do, um, you may see what happened with Jesus and the disciples. They argued over <laughs> who was going to sit on the right and, and the left hand of Jesus. So when you promote someone a new position, there's some interesting qualities that could come out or you appoint them something or you walk, you get accepting, you accept them into a new program. Sometimes it can bring out interesting qualities, sometimes negative qualities. Why? Well, oftentimes when someone's put in charge for the first time, what's really in their heart surfaces. And what's in a lot of our hearts at first is fear <laughs> and insecurity. What happens many times is that we, we begin to wonder, am I good enough? Do I have what it takes? 
what, what, if I, what if I fail? What if they find out that I don't know, you know, if I can do this? And fear and insecurity are closely linked, aren't they? And then if we don't respond um, in a timely way, and if, if there's not this Yoda, if there's not this guide, the uh, leaders can develop unhealthy behaviors. And so we try to control, micromanage, and we begin to, being, we begin to criticize. And so instead, what they need is someone who will walk alongside them, have the I see new conversation, diatribo with them, extend them trust, and be this Yoda for them. And then the last thing I would suggest is be vulnerable. If you've ever been cliff jumping, you know, cliff jumping, it really puts you out there, literally, right? But let's be honest, being vulnerable is probably hard for most of us. It feels like that's the opposite of good leadership. I'm not supposed to tell them, you know, all the times I've failed. I'm not saying that you need to vomit all your mistakes on them. What I'm saying is you need to talk to them about how you've navigated hard times. Talk to them about how you struggle to make a decision. Don't be so guarded. See, it actually makes you a secure leader when you can admit you've got struggles or weaknesses or talk about the mistakes and what you learn from them. Let them know you don't know it all. <laughs> now, according to Barna's most recent research on the future of missions related to, um, that was released earlier this year, this is some of the, these are some of the things that Gen Z is looking for. They're looking for people who will help them bridge the gap in sharing their faith in a variety of contexts. They desperately want to do it. They don't know how to get there. They're looking for people, they're, they're praying less. They need people to pray for them and with them and teach them to pray and actually do it. What is more vulnerable than praying with someone and opening your heart to them and them to you? Part of that mutual mentoring. Such a beautiful relationship to have. They're looking for someone that will help them understand the whole gospel, the, the, the justice side, the, the holiness side, the passion side, the great commission, the great commandment. They need to understand how it all, the great narrative of the gospel fits together. They want someone who will talk about their struggles and their questions and, and how they learn to discern what was God really saying to them and what was Jesus teaching them through all of that. This is what Gen Z is looking for, and this is what we can offer to them and how generationally we can come together and move the mission of God forward. I remember one of my mentors, um, I always thought he knew everything. He was in charge of a large institution, organization, and I thought, man, how does he make the right decision every single time? He's so godly, he practically walks on water. This is amazing. And as I got older, I got to know him even more. And he confided to me one time, he was vulnerable. And he said, I didn't know. I, I actually always was, I felt like I was second guessing myself. I was always wondering, did I really hear Jesus correctly on that? And, that, and then he said, but then he would share with me how he saw God confirm it later. But he was vulnerable with me. And it let me know that I wasn't the only one. And so I'm not saying to air out all your mistakes and say, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm a total failure. You know, that, that's called incompetence. That's different. <laughs> but to share when you're struggling and what you're learning is totally different. And so even Jesus did that. Jesus shared his burdens. He was vulnerable with his disciples about going to the cross and, and what a hard thing this was. And he asked them to stay up all night and pray with him, right? And I found over time that people often will admire the strengths that we have, but they'll really connect with us on a deeper level when we talk about our struggles and how we saw God get, bring victory in those struggles there. So I want to close here with a, a short video just about some of the incredible things that the younger generations have done, the emerging generation has done uh, to change the world. And so um, ask yourself during this video, which one of these, these five things is Jesus asking you to take a step forward into? As you think about Raising up the next generation, this 222 principle, the 2 Timothy 2 2. Is it, do you need an IC new conversation with somebody that you, maybe you're missing that? Or maybe you need to take it deeper and, and diatribo them and have that mutual mentoring. Maybe it's fine. You need to stop being suspicious of the, this, this generation or that generation, extend some trust. Maybe it's time to be Yoda. Stop trying to be the hero and be the hero maker. Be Yoda and and actually give some authority, actually give them the power 
and with and, and just let them loose and see what happens. Or maybe it's time you share some of your some more of your story with somebody to be a vulnerable leader, to be a vulnerable disciple maker or uh, executive or whatever your role is. I don't know what the Spirit's saying to you, but hope you'll respond to him as you watch this video. Growing Leaders is one of uh, World Gospel Mission's uh, partners, and uh, a lot of what I've learned and I'm sharing with you today has been in conjunction with them and other research that I've done. But I don't know what the Lord might be saying to you, but I, which of these areas you need to grow in or how you could empower and raise up the next generation, but I do know that we're better together when we live together to accomplish the Great Commission with Generation Z. and. I believe we shouldn't underestimate the emerging generation. We shouldn't sideline them, but we also don't need to alienate the older generation or whatever generation you're in. The generations, we need each other. And so I just want to encourage you to, to let your experience and your, your story and your fresh eyes come together and intersect for God's bigger purposes together. Take care. <laughs>